In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's a story told about a man named Fred who was driving down the street in a sweat. He was panicking because he had a very important meeting and he couldn't find a parking place. He was searching high and low, even the parking garages were full and there was nothing. You know that feeling you get when you're on Mass Avenue or downtown Indy on a Friday night? Well, looking up toward heaven, he said, Lord, take pity on me. If you find me a parking place, I will go to Mass every Sunday for the rest of my life. I'll stop swearing and even give up drinking wine. Miraculously, a parking space instantly appeared. Fred looked up to heaven again and said, never mind, I just found one. <laughs> We've all heard about foxhole promises promises that are made to God when we're caught in a difficult situation or when our backs are against the wall. And in this story, the parable that we read this morning, two people make similar promises, but with the intent to fill them, even if they are impossible. Peter asked Jesus, how often are we to forgive members of the church, our siblings in Christ? And then he generously offers the number seven, a number that's considered in scripture to be one of either completion or perfection. Peter is asking, how, how often must I forgive completely? And must I do it perfectly? When have I done enough? In response, Jesus doesn't say, number seven's great, way to go, Peter. But instead, Jesus says, 77 times. Or in other translations, 70 times seven. In essence, Jesus is saying to Peter, more times than you can imagine. It's going to be a lifestyle. Now, there's a caution I must add before I even continue with the sermon, and that is, there are those among us who have suffered greatly, and forgiveness could be very hard, and is sometimes most difficult. Forgiveness is never a pass for bad behavior. It's not to be construed in any way, shape, or form that one should return to an abusive relationship. No, nor can it be demanded of another so that we can continue to cause harm. And with that caveat, let's continue. Forgiveness spoken here is in reference to the Christian community, naming the sin, offering repentance, and communal support of the victim, as the last few weeks have illustrated. In response to Peter, Jesus gives a parable. The way most people act in this parable is troubling at best. It hearkens to the poor houses of Europe, dreadful things that occurred there, and slavery in our own nation. Needless to say, I tread over this one with some fear and trepidation. Out of greed or necessity, this one nameless slave is deeply in debt. The king of the area should have been watching his books more carefully, in my opinion, so that a large debt could never have been acquired. 10,000 talents. If the king had a process for regular review, this would have come to his attention much sooner, but he didn't, and the slave is way over his head when the time of reckoning comes. That both slaves 
were in debt speaks to a system of severe economic depravity and power imbalances that they could never, ever escape. This first slave was drowning in a system that kept him oppressed, needing credit to go about his life. Perhaps he was living a lifestyle that he thought befitted himself that was way beyond his means. Or maybe some tragedy had occurred. We don't know how he got into the situation. We only know that now his debt is one that he could never, ever repay. And the time of reckoning has occurred. This does not look good for him. And this time, after reading this passage hundreds of times over many decades, I found a little bit of compassion for this slave. Imagine he's living his life, racking up debt, and thinking he's getting away with it. It has become a lifestyle for him. He has found a way through this system to make a life that works for him. But the consequences have been delayed so long, he can no longer envision them. Then one day, his world crashes down on him, and he's held accountable for his deeds, as we're all responsible for our deeds. But the response in the system is extreme. While the king wishes his books to be in order, it is the slave's lord, a representative of the king, who pronounces judgment, ordering the slave, his wife, and his children to be sold. If you're a slave, this is terrifying. You have not only lost your status, whatever property you've managed to accumulate in your community, you are also losing your wife and children. Your family will be stripped from you, sold off to wherever is most profitable and never to be seen again. Our own American history tells us we did the exact same thing, even if it was beloved children of God that we enslaved, beloved children who had no debt. But there is a parable to our time today, yes, for the system of justice in our own time is still not fair or equitable. And we are surprised when the rich or celebrities actually serve time in prison, but assume that others deserve their fate. No wonder the slave falls down on his knees begging, making wild promises that both he and the Lord of the slaves knew he could never fulfill, a foxhole promise. His lord or overseer took extravagant pity on him. He doesn't even put him in jail. He doesn't seize his belongings. He doesn't even put him on a payment plan. He completely forgives the debt. Oh, what great joy. What an unexpected turn of events. What would he do? His emotions had to be in turmoil, having come so close to disaster. He and his family were spared. Having seen what the exercise of power could do, what would he do? The parable tells us that instead of sharing his joy with his community, instead of offering the generosity and forgiveness that he received, he did the opposite. He grabs his companion by the throat. Can you imagine the hostility and fear in that situation? grabbing him by the throat and demanding immediate payment of a much smaller sum. This companion only owed 100 denarii. Now, we don't use denarius and talent in our society anymore, but these were currents in New Testament times. 
A denarius was a Roman silver coin that weighed about four grams. It was the wages for a common day laborer. So he owed him about three months back pay. A talent, however, was a unit of weight for gold and silver and typically weighed about 40 kilograms. A hundred days wager, wages or 11 years worth of wages. Having once been in jeopardy himself, the first slave does even worse. That's a caution for all of us. When our emotions are running high and we have been in fear or pain, even if we escape it, we are not at our best selves. Having lived with unhealthy ways of being when under stress, we can revert back to them. On a small scale, we see it when we eat junk food or comfort food when we're stressed even if we've been following a very healthy menu plan. But on a greater scale, the way we share our common life together could suffer. Unlike the Lord of the slaves who extended compassion, this slave was brutal, reflecting the very worst of the system that he lived under, rather than the grace that was new to him and that he now received. Rather than generating more grace and forgiveness in the community, he stops that flow, throwing his fellow slave into prison, disrupting his fellow slave's lifestyle and separating him from his family. This was a harm to the entire community, not just to two slaves. And the community shared their outrage with the overseer. And then the first slave is tortured. We never know what becomes of the second slave. Is he still stuck in prison? Is he finally freed and reunited with his family? We don't know. This parable is almost absurd in its telling. 77 times or 70 times seven is extreme. There is no way one slave could have amassed 11 years of debt. There is no way it would have been forgiven in that system. Ah, that's where the generosity of God is very different. This is what the generosity of God looks like. It often looks absurd. It's unbelievable. Our faults are great, but God is generous toward us. And we, in turn, not through our strength alone, but through the grace that's been given to us, we have become a people so full of grace, so filled with love, so filled with forgiveness, that from that place of gratitude, we can forgive and love each other. Oh, what freedom we can find here. What joy. Even as each Holy Eucharist, we pray the Lord's Prayer. Let today, let it fill our hearts, overflowing with gratitude and grace that we're able to live more fully into the joy that this Christian community offers. Amen.